0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Completing Sweden's accession to NATO is an historic step that benefits the security of all NATO allies at this critical time. It makes us all stronger and safer.
2: Turkey dropping its opposition and clearing the way for Sweden to join NATO with Ukraine's membership bid now in focus at today's key summit. This as Lithuania's president tells CNBC the final goal must be full integration for Kyiv. As a temporary
3: solution. Uh, on the path towards uh, full integration into NATO, it might be considered and it is a quite beneficial form of cooperation, but this is not the replacement for the full-fledged membership."
4: Wall Street breaks a three-day losing streak with financial and energy stocks offsetting declines in tech majors ahead of a pair of key inflation reports and the start of earnings season. UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt calls for wage restraint and pledges to help the Bank of England in its fight against inflation. As the central bank's governor says, salary increases are contributing to the issue.
0: The interaction of above-target headline inflation with labour market tightness and demand pressure in the economy has made underlying developments in goods and services price inflation more sticky than was previously expected. Both price and wage increases at current rates are not consistent with the inflation target.
5: And the two main candidates to be Spain's next prime minister trade barbs in a televised debate ahead of the country's SNAP election this month, with incumbent Pedro Sanchez defending his track record while acknowledging missteps.
2: What I say to you and what I say to the Spanish people is that I'm not perfect and I don't aspire to be. I have committed mistakes. I've had a very difficult mandate. We face the pandemic, and now war on the doorstep of Europe.
4: Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has agreed to back Sweden's bid to join NATO after a year of public opposition to the country's membership. The two countries pledged to work closely together on counter-terrorism coordination. Edwin's about-turn came after he earlier said his backing was contingent on Turkey being accepted into the European Union. NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg hailed Turkey's move to accept Sweden as a new member, adding it will strengthen the alliance.
1: This is an historic day because we have a clear commitment by Turkey to submit the ratification documents to the Grand National Assembly and to work closer with the assembly to ensure ratification. And then it's historic also because we have uh, uh, Sweden committing so clearly uh, to uh, step up further the fight against terrorism, working closer with uh, Turkey, and NATO also announcing what more we will do in our fight against terrorism and strengthening what we do together as allies, uh, also when it comes to investments and and, uh, trade in in military uh, equipment. So that package makes it an historic day.
4: U.S. President Joe Biden will reportedly meet with his Ukrainian counterpart in Vilnius tomorrow after President Zelensky earlier said there would be no point attending if Ukraine did not get a clear signal about its own NATO accession. Speaking overnight, Zelensky made a final push to persuade leaders to allow Ukraine to join the alliance.
6: Ukraine is on the eve of Vilnius, the NATO summit, which could be exactly what our country, the entire alliance and global security need. We are working extremely hard these days, even more actively than ever. And although this work is almost 100% behind the scenes, it is no less important than any public work. Everyone understands everything, every leader, every state. Even if different positions are voiced, it is still clear that Ukraine deserves to be in the alliance. Not now, there is a war, but we need a clear signal, and we need this signal right now.
4: Well, Steve is in Vilnius, as you can see, and Steve, we've seen a major progression now as Sweden is on course to join NATO. But it seems as though Turkey has put a price on its support, which is EU membership. And this is something that's been frozen for many, many years, effectively a hurdle that is just too high for Turkey to clear.
2: I think that's very interesting you say that, and I saw that story last night and I thought, that just doesn't feel right, because... As we know, the accession process of Turkey to EU is completely different track from any nation joining NATO as well. And it also, that story came out after I had kind of got indications from the Lithuanian hosts that actually we could get news last night uh, about the Sweden accession. So the two stories just didn't tally to me. Uh, And it says to me that there is a degree of orchestration about this, that actually they came into this meeting, the first ever summit yet upon us, uh, with a degree of let's get something deliverable On the table straight away and I can't help thinking that actually and just to give you a bit of insight the world is looking over here at what Erdogan was saying about the EU but actually you should be looking over here and what the Turks were actually probably given, were some kind of assurances on different levels. Don't forget the Turks uh, like to get hold of their US armaments. They like the deliveries of the most uh, uh, up-to-date technology-cutting equipment as well. So I would be surprised if the deal, if there is one, and bear in mind it's got to go ratified through the parliament in Turkey, which is controlled, of course, uh, by Erdogan's party. I would be surprised if ultimately it is about the EU. I think it's possibly more about the relationship with the United States, the relationship with other NATO members as well. That's just my hunch on that one as well but as i say, i got a strong indication on on a few issues and very important issues last night uh from the hosts here uh lithuania and and again the most staggering thing about where i'm standing here now is i'm fully on the eastern flank we are only wait for it 30 kilometers away from belarus Belarus now has Wagner fighters with asylum in there. So, potentially 30 kilometers away from Wagner fighters, which is making people up and down the Baltics, from Estonia to Latvia to Lithuania here, uh, mildly nervous. So, actually, having now uh, potentially the completion of the so called uh, NATO lake, i.e., from uh, Finland to Sweden with Norway, the Danes, the Poles, the Germans, uh, and the Baltic nations, very, very interesting um, and will continue to uh, raise those fears from the Russians about containment. Uh, in various spheres as well. Now, let's move on. I spoke to Zitanas Nalceda, who is the president of Lithuania, and he is a brilliant speaker. I've spoken to him in Warsaw, I've spoken to him here in Vilnius just after the start of the war last year as well, and he's a very, very interesting man Speaker, Very hawkish, of course, as you would expect uh, from a Lithuanian leader, but we were talking about the Ukrainian accession and what is possible and what isn't possible. I want you to listen in to our interview.
3: I think it's achievable achievable uh, goal, and this is a very important goal too. Uh, we already agreed that we need some institutional framework for closer cooperation with Ukraine, and uh, this uh, decision to establish NATO-Ukraine, uh, Ukraine's council, is one of the elements of this institutional framework. The second issue is we will um, uh, just to skip away uh, the map so-called membership action plan which was one of the elements or preconditions of the membership before i think it makes the process and procedure of the approaching uh, nato more simple and uh, i think we will have very um, significant packages of support coming from different countries and many countries bring the additional uh, packages of support to Vilnius in their port- portfolio and I think this is important element of our support too because Ukraine needs political signal but uh, Ukraine needs also practical support and uh, I think this support will be granted. And. Uh, Referring to your question, whether President Zelensky will be in Vilnius, I am optimistic and I expect that he will attend our uh, event, uh, NATO summit. And I think it's very important to see him here in Vilnius, especially
2: now. But just to go back, the Budapest memorandum didn't work to secure the borders of Ukraine. The 2008 um, Bucharest uh, announcement that Georgia and Ukraine would be potentially members one day hasn't worked to deter Mr. Putin as well. Nothing short of membership, which includes Article 4 and especially Article 5, surely will suffice for the Ukrainians to have a clear signal that they will get membership. That probably won't happen this time around, will it?
3: Well, if we we speak broadly, not only about Ukraine, I think the best deterrence element for all of us is forward defense. Mm -hmm. To have forward defense or boots on ground uh, here in the eastern flank. Regarding Ukraine, yes, probably we missed some opportunities to... Uh, strengthened the deterrence element regarding Ukraine in the past. And probably I would refer to the Crimea occupation in 2014. At that time we we were not decisive enough to take the decisions, and not only decisions strengthening the uh, security of Ukraine, but also decisions punishing, sanctioning Russia for what uh, happened in 2014. We were just too late, and we did too not so much in order to stop, to prevent Russia from uh, further aggression. And then the war in uh, 2022 uh, broke out, and unfortunately now it's too late to, to, to talk about the prevention. We are talking about the consequences uh, about the bloody war and now, uh, now being in the war, of course, we have to support Ukraine with all means, political, military means, and we are doing this. But yes, you are right by saying that uh, the deterrence did not work in case of Ukraine in the past. But we have to learn from our mistakes and we have to do everything in order to prevent such aggressions in the
2: future. I'm hearing a lot in the build-up to this meeting about an Israeli model is that the template then that we think that will suffice you mentioned the council uh, coming from a commission to a council between nato and ukraine but is it going to be an israeli model for ukraine rather than membership
3: i don't think that this is a final goal of ukraine the final goal uh, or final destination of ukraine is to be in the family of nato allies And yes, as a temporary solution uh, on the path towards uh, full integration into NATO, it might be considered and it is uh, quite a beneficial form of cooperation, but this is not the replacement for the full-fledged membership in NATO
2: that was uh, president jitanas nalceda speaking to us yesterday look i think it's absolutely fascinating what the ukrainians will and won't get one thing is very clear Uh, and i think we can add one and one and find two rather than some other strange number one the ukrainian said there's no point coming unless we're going to get a path to membership but two zelensky is coming to this meeting we pretty much know that as a fact now so three or one plus one equaling two the answer must be the fact that he's going to get something which will satiate uh, their demands towards full membership they're not going to get a path to full membership seems to be the understanding just yet this time around. But clear indications on security guarantees, enhanced security guarantees, akin to something that the US provides for Israel uh, on a decade by, decade by decade basis, I think could really be on the cards. We're talking about intelligence sharing. We're talking about military support, training, uh, more munitions, infrastructure support, etc., etc. as well. So it's very, very interesting to see what Zelensky will get delivered to him this time around. Because in advance of this, we've also been hearing about this so-called map. The acronym the membership action plan and actually that being taken away and what a map is is actually these are the things you have to do in order to become members and what we're saying is okay you're not necessarily going to get the agreement to become a member this time round, but you're going to get a vast amount of security guarantees and when you are allowed membership actually you're not going to have to go through all these other hoops as well so very very interesting important to say that some of the the biggest nations just don't want the membership just yet and we're talking about the united states we're talking about germany but if the us and germany alongside great britain and france are security guarantors for Ukraine going forward, then that is a big step and perhaps is very, very different from something I've been talking about a lot over the previous weeks, months. In fact, I was speaking it from 2014 when I was in Kyiv, uh, and that is the memorandum of Budapest, where actually there were security guarantees signed, interestingly, by the Russians. But of course, from 2014 onwards, they were in, in shreds as well. What the Ukrainians want is the mutual guarantees that come with Article 5 uh, of the NATO convention. They're not going to get that i.e attack on one is an attack on all and plus the fact there's something very important to say that actually in the, in, in the kind of the rule book of, of NATO anyway Ukraine couldn't join at the moment anyway because they are fighting a war and until this is solved uh, with a peaceful progression you can't actually uh, uh, say uh, uh, have accession to NATO with while well, you're still fighting a territorial war within your boundaries as well very interesting that as well so what about the end of this war that's that's what we all want to see ultimately as well prospects for the end of the war let's see what President Al-Zaida had to say I don't
3: believe in peace negotiations until uh, the territorial integrity of Ukraine is not restored. Russian uh, troops, military troops should be removed, uh, withdrawn withdrawn from uh, the territory of Ukraine. Otherwise, there is no ground for negotiations. Of course, we all want that, uh, to get closer to these peace negotiations, but not on the cost of uh, Ukraine's territorial integrity. This is very clear understanding. This is very strong commitment of our Ukrainian friends. Ten points, peace formula, peace plan uh, presented by President Zelensky. We have to stick to them, and we should not bargain on the cost of the freedom of our friends and brothers, Ukrainians.
2: I'll just make one more point. I spoke to Nisada at length yesterday and asked him, is the eastern flank, which is the Baltics down across and through to Poland and a lot of those Bucharest Nine countries, I said, is the eastern flank safer or or less safe uh, a year on, 500 days on from the start of this war? And he was categorical. We are less safe. The security situation is deteriorating. Now, isn't that very interesting that despite all the talk about NATO bolstering its eastern flank, despite all the extra troops that have gone To, amongst other places lithuania they feel less safe now than they did 500 days ago i find that fascinating karen and juliana
6: it
4: is a fascinating point steve and let me ask you about the future now for ukraine as well because this is something zelensky has been pointing to we're going to have uh, no doubt some long-term security guarantees which would seem instrumental at this point because as president biden will be on the move on the ground today it does jump out that this is a presidential election campaign that's begun and whether there'll be support if there is a change in the presidency
2: I think that is a terrific point, and it is something that is overhanging this meeting and the US as well. It's part of a massive point, Karen, and I know we've only got a certain amount of time, but the US is the bedrock of NATO. There is no doubt about it. Let me just give you an idea. Okay, there's about $1.2 trillion worth of spending from all the NATO players of which somewhere in the region of 800 and depends who you look at but 827 to 877 billion dollars of that is the americans think about the firepower which comes with three quarters of the entire nato spending being one country then we go back in history and i remember this beautifully we were on sportbox at time Karen, and this was july 2018 where you had stoltenberg at a meeting in brussels and you had Donald Trump on a European tour on the other side, and he berated Frau Merkel, he berated NATO, and he said, you're getting your energy from the Russians, but we're giving you support and you're not paying a penny for your support. So the history is there, Karen. You are absolutely right to be concerned about what a change of presidency means for the attitude towards NATO of the US. But there is a a bit of a a silver lining, and that is the fact that Trump takes full credit for the nations of NATO upping their spending. And to be fair, that's, that's not unfair, comment to say that actually his berating of nato got more of them over the line of this so-called two percent of gdp level which is by the way been talked about since 2006 some nations are flying off the shelves on this one the the uh, poles for instance they have really taken their security stunningly seriously they've gone up to three to four percent as well the germans They're moving slowly. Really interesting comments from the SAID on the Germans. Just don't push them too quick. They've changed their mindset of decades. Just don't push them too quick. They are moving, because of course Scholz has talked about 100 billion euros of extra spending, getting over the 2% level, but they're taking it very slowly at the moment as well. But the Germans are moving on their defence commitments as well. So I take your point about change of presidency, but don't forget, Trump already sees that he's had a win on that front as well. So maybe there's been a bit of a shift on his attitude uh, to NATO as well. One more point on this one. Let's just chuck Macron into this one as well he too uh, has some very strong views on where nato goes next as well don't forget he was the one who called it brain dead uh, a couple of years ago uh, and now of course uh, sees it with a lot more focus focused on the north atlantic not on nato expansion asia that's another conversation for another day back to you both
5: So much to think about, Steve. Um, Fantastic coverage to kick off the morning, to say the least. Coming up on today's show, we're going to have much more from NATO throughout the morning, including Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg's special address at 8 o'clock CET. We'll also speak to the CEO of Accenture in Europe, Jean-Marc Aulonnier, about Europe's tech deficit and what business leaders here can do to close the gap with their U.S. counterparts. That conversation is coming up at 8.30 CET. But first, we'll digest that mansion house dinner with BOE Governor Andrew Bailey and Chancellor of the Exchequer Jeremy Hunt. That is coming up next. Welcome back to Stock Box. So uh, yesterday on Wall Street, we saw equities break a three-day losing streak. All three of the majors ended in positive territory for a change of pace. The Nasdaq gained about 18 basis points or so. The S&P 500 climbed a quarter of a percent. And the Dow Jones outperformed, gaining about 209 points. Seven out of 11 uh, sectors were positive in the session, led by industrials. Uh, that basket of stocks gained about 1.4 percent, while communication services was the laggard, ending about 0.9 percent lower on the day. In terms of Treasury markets, here's where things stand right now. We've got yields lower across the board. Uh, Investors in bond markets uh, no doubt waiting for the U.S. CPI print tomorrow for some more insight into the direction of travel and the pace of travel for the Federal Reserve. Uh, U.S. 10-year yield trading right now below the 4 percent mark. We've gone down to about 3.99 percent. Asian markets overnight have uh, caught a bid for the most part. You've got the Shanghai Composite in the mainland rallying about 0.4%. The Hang Seng also performing quite well, up about 1.2%, outperforming. Beijing is saying it would extend measures designed to support the country's property sector. Also, traders uh, hoping for more stimulus out of the Chinese authorities. Nikkei 225, meanwhile, in Japan, underperforming, pulling back by about 13 basis points. European opening calls. Here's the picture. We've got a mixed bag in store for the European market open. FTSE 100 and the Zetra DAX poised to open slightly lower, while we do have a few green arrows on the board. The CAC 40 and the FTSE MEB looking to open slightly higher. Karen.
4: Juliana, the UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt and Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey have warned that continued tightness in the labour market is harming efforts to fight inflation. Speaking at the annual Mansion House dinner in London, Hunt said the government needed to be, quote, responsible on public sector pay and pledged to use fiscal policy to tackle price pressures, including by limiting borrowing. Bailey said the pace of wage growth is a barrier to inflation falling.
0: UK headline inflation is set to fall markedly over the remainder of the year. This largely owes to lower energy prices as last year's substantial increases drop out of the annual calculation but food prices should fall too as lower commodity prices feed through to prices in the shops. Now while the level of economic activity hasn't grown beyond its pre-pandemic level on a sustained basis, The UK economy has shown unexpected and welcome resilience. Unemployment is at 3.8%, which is right at the bottom end of experience in modern times, and thus far the economy has avoided a recession. Now, In many ways, this is a good thing. No one wishes to see unemployment higher or growth weaker. But the interaction of above-target headline inflation with labour market tightness and demand pressure in the economy has made underlying developments in goods and services price inflation more sticky than was previously expected. And both price and wage increases at current rates are not consistent with the inflation target.
4: Chancellor Jeremy Hunt also used his Mansion House speech to announce plans to boost pension fund investment into unlisted growth companies. Providers are representing around two-thirds of the defined contribution pensions market say they've agreed to increase investments in unlisted equity. The UK government says the agreement will boost pension pots by an average £1,000 per year. Douglas Hansen, luke is the executive chairman future planet capital uh you've been arguing for many of these reforms Douglas and let's just get into what we saw the changes here for, through these mansion house reforms to unlock an additional 75 billion pounds for high growth businesses so we're talking about a typical increase of 12 percent for the average pension pot what does this do in terms of uh channeling money into areas of the economy that have not been able to reach these high growth areas previously
6: well, this is a game changer. You know, It's a delight to be here. Um, I and Future Planet have been arguing for the last few years that it's, it's simply unfair for the British government through the British Business Bank, which is excellent, is the largest investor in venture and science and, to- and technology in Britain. Foreign sovereign funds from the Far East, from the Middle East have been accessing British venture. But for all of this time, ordinary British pensioners and private schemes haven't been able to access Uh, The returns that are there. So what does this mean? It means you've now got a far more equitable distribution. People with pensions will be able to access Britain's leading science and technology. Also, one of the most entrepreneurial, high growth, small business economies in the world as well. So this overall, I think, is a game changer. Um, We're delighted.
4: Douglas, let's talk practically about returns because it does coincide with the time when savers are actually rewarded for putting money into just basic savings accounts, uh, what five odd percent you can achieve. So what are we talking about in terms of the potential gains that could be coming from this area of the high growth market?
6: Absolutely. So if you look at venture in the five years to the end of 2021. Returns there were 23% on an annualized basis. Um, And that's a a huge number if you compare that to investing in government bonds, where as interest rates rise, as inflation rises, you're losing. So it's a great thing for insurance companies, for pensions, for local government pensions, to be able to actually diversify. And we're still talking about a very small percentage of their allocation, 5%, on a voluntary basis. But this will give them the opportunity to do it. And as those returns continue to be strong, then of course, we'd probably expect that to rise even further.
5: Let me pick up on one key word there, Douglas, and that's voluntary. The chancellor has not opted for any kind of mandatory scheme when it comes to these investments. What are the odds that the pension funds actually take advantage of the new reforms?
6: Well, what's very interesting about this is you've got 50 billion from insurance companies and direct contribution pension funds, but 25 billion or one third of the total talked about is from local government pensions. Uh, Combined, this gives Britain one of the largest pension pools in the world, certainly the largest in Europe. And if you look at the local government pensions, we've been managing money for one of them for the last five years. And also recently on record, Doug Doug McMurdo, who is on the joint committee of Britain's largest local government pension, border to coast. He's saying that they're delighted after a lot of scepticism at the beginning, delighted with pooling and want to move more to private markets. So actually, the biggest risk with the, the chancellor's statement was he's talking about seven years and it's not compulsory or mandatory. But in fact, a lot of these pensions wants to get there already. And we ourselves, with Timpson, one of Britain's largest and most loved sustainable retail groups, are launching with their plan uh, a concrete bid for a government mandate for £250 million right now. So things are happening.
5: Is there any reason why the UK can't uh, have super funds like we've seen in Canada, for example? Is there anything to prevent that in the future?
6: The answer is we're getting there it's been a little bit slow Uh, pooling of pensions was first discussed um, over 10 years ago but it's actually happening so the pooled pensions in britain uh, are now actually at a a size just under a trillion dollars in a very small number and that can grow as well so i think that will actually happen the pension funds as i just mentioned the largest one One of their official uh, leaders has uh, stated that they view pooling as a success. So I think that will continue. Um, But remember that two-thirds of this money is going to come from private pension groups and from insurance companies. And certainly the insurance companies are among some of the biggest in the world
4: douglas one of the criticisms around the capital markets in the uk is we just have had a dearth of high growth tech companies that they're not coming to market here Any ones that uh, do make it to some sort of maturity tend to go elsewhere what does this do for the pipeline of companies coming to public markets down the down the line
6: Sure. Well, i mean we've invested in uh, two companies from britain that have listed one oxford nanopore um you know one of our team members invested in that it listed in london um and there was a lot of talk about a great British biotech going there. We also invested in Vaxitech, the company behind the Oxford vaccine, which invested in NASDAQ. There's swings and roundabouts. If you invest uh, and list on NASDAQ, you're one of tens of thousands. So it's a very developed ecosystem, but you're not necessarily going to stand out. So, I think if in the UK, the London Stock Exchange and the city can work on the ecosystem, make sure that the, the research is there, the standards, the regulations match those of NASDAQ, then the companies that list here will benefit from the increased focus on them. So, it needs to be done in parallel.
2: Thank you for listening to Squawkbox Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com.